Hey, what's up, everybody? Jason Balen at Hard Money Bankers and Ian Horowitz with Equity Warehouse coming to you live Saturday, April 4th. Uh, we're time stamping all of these videos for the dates because everything is changing in the real estate community on a daily basis. So we want to make sure we're time stamping some of this. So the information obviously is still relevant. So today's show is going to be an interesting one. We're just going to do a weekly re uh, recap of what, we, what we've seen personally. Um, we had a few interviews uh, this week. Uh, with a few other experts locally, some in the real estate investing industry, some outside the real estate investing industry. So we want to share um, some takeaways from that. We're going to dive in a little bit to the Paycheck, uh, Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, that that was yesterday where we where we spoke about that because it went live yesterday. So if you didn't hear that show, uh, you should circle back and listen to that whole show. But we're gonna we'll talk briefly about that, and then we'll just end the show with uh, investor confidence and a sneak peek of what's going to happen next week. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, what's up, guys? It's Ian, Equity Warehouse. We've had a, we've had a great week. I think uh, there was a few takeaways. Yesterday's, yesterday's show was uh, pretty good with Jason. I mean, it's eye-opening. I was, I was watching a lot of other feeds um, of other people commenting, you know, what industries are eligible to apply, um, other people that are having issues getting applications to go through. Um, so it was, uh, it was really interesting in that sense that, um, you know, to see, to see people taking action, uh, I think the number one takeaway was the fact that that loan is actually forgivable if you apply for that one, the PPP loan versus the EIDL, um, I think, which is, uh, really, really, um, powerful for people to use. Yeah, let's go through, let's just hop into the Paycheck Protection Program real quick, um, just because we're early in the show right now. And in case anybody missed that, at least we can give them a quick recap um, and then go from there. So the Paycheck Protection Program was obviously put into place in order to help um, small businesses that have employees keep their employees and their staff in place by uh, able, by, by getting uh, funds um, through the SBA, SBA and, the, and your local bank in order to you know, that's coming obviously from, from government. Uh, and the way that it's set up is for the most part, you take your monthly payroll and you times it by 2.5, uh, you know, 250%. And that's how much you qualify for. And you can use that funds to keep your staff and your payroll in place. Obviously, um, uh, you know, that's the point is to keep everybody in place. And then you can also use, uh, I think up to 25% of it towards rent and utilities. So the goal is to keep uh, businesses, Kind of in play as we get through this uh, unfortunate, unfortunate epidemic, and you know the interesting part about it is they structured it very similar to how a lot of real estate investors that we've chatted with on this show live since all this went down, similar to our thought process is you just got to weather the storm right now. That's the goal. You got to stay afloat. You got to do whatever you can to stay, you know, with your business to weather this storm with the hopes that come early summer, you know, let's say June or whatever, things will be back to normal. Maybe not completely back to normal, but, you know, businesses will be back up and running um, and and things like that. So, you know, the, th those applications went live. There's typically a few different ways that you can get the capital and the funding for it. Um, our recommendation was go to your local bank, meaning call your local banker or email them if you have a relationship uh, a relationship account, bank account. The reason why is obviously there's less parties than going to like Bank of America, and we'll talk about that too. 
Did I chat you, Ian, how many applications Bank of America got yesterday? I know I was chatting that to somebody. No, I didn't see I that. I think it was 60, uh, yeah, it was, it was 60,000 small business uh, yeah, totally applications. Six, they got $6 just- dollars or something? Yep. Um, yeah, like something ridiculous. So we went to our local bank and reached out and they told us exactly what to do. We got the application and everything uh, and we were able to submit it to them. Uh, I know a lot of small business owners that went through Bank of America. I'll just use that as an example because I know people that, that did that and they filled out the application online or through the mobile app. Very, very simple. And then Bank of America reaches back out to them with some of the documentations that they need. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, and that, that's actually, I just got an email back from our bank saying they need some updated information before, or I guess to resubmit. Um, so it's been, it's been real interesting to see who's taking advantage or not taking advantage of the situation. Um, I know just speaking to a few other people outside of real estate, um, a high end furniture maker, I know he's taking advantage of it. I was talking to one of his buddies who's a dairy farmer who says that they can't, um, they can apply, which I find to be interesting. Uh, my in-laws uh, selling service outdoor power equipment. Uh, I was talking to him, uh, my father-in-law, and he was saying that they um, they're going to apply, but they're going to wait wait the storm out and apply early next week. Um, you know, and again, their bank didn't reach out to them, so it's also interesting to see what banks are being proactive about it and which ones aren't, um, and you know who's taking action and who's not. The other thing that's going to be real interesting to see and a major takeaway from that interview with Jason Schwartzberg um, is the fact that we uh, the sole proprietors. Um, your 1099 employees, those type of people can't apply till April 10th. And there's really not clear definition to what they're going to need to submit and what they're going to need to do to apply for that, even though it falls under the same terms. Um, so hopefully Jason gets some more information on that and come back on um, since he's kind of, we've kind of assigned him to be the expert in that field. Yeah, exactly. And that's what one thing I was going to mention, because that's a big thing that was the majority of our questions on our show yesterday is, I don't have any employees. I'm, um, you know, a sole proprietor, or a single member entity, and I don't have any partners. I don't have any payroll, and I flip houses, or I own rental properties, or or I'm a full time wholesaler, or whatever the case is, or I'm a full time real estate agent or appraiser. Um, and again, like Ian said, that comes out next Friday, the tenth. Um, the purpose of this one, this uh, original Paycheck Protection Program, was to cover. Um, payroll for employers that have multiple um, W2 W2 employees on staff. So that's what they were trying to get out. I guess that's what they're trying to get out first. So we'll see. I mean, most, most people in our sphere um, that we know that we lend to that we work with um, most of our friends, they're all single member LLCs, but not many employees. So a lot of them are going to uh, fall under this stuff that happens on the 10th. And, we're going to definitely, definitely, definitely keep everybody up to date and circle back with what's going on for that as things come out. Um, to be honest, it's kind of been a cluster F from the beginning because things were changing. You know, I think they had Congress passed this and then, you know, Small Business Administration has been working, seems like endlessly to get everything live. And then it went live yesterday morning and still a lot of the banks, even the ones that were involved in it were still not up to date of what was going you know what was going on and things were changing we were getting documentation back and forth it was like oh yeah we thought we needed this but we needed this and it was actually funny when i when i was listening to cnbc uh they were suggesting that all the big banks get you know every employee that's still involved 
uh, you know, that's, you know, it's still working there, including traders <laughs> and get them onto the front lines as bank tellers and helping their customers apply uh, and get these applications. Going. Well, I guess CNBC is actually looking at what uh, people's bank must be doing because people's bank, literally every single one of their loan officers, anybody that works in, you know, uh, like paperwork processing, I don't know what you call it over there, like loan processing, literally every single person um, that I've heard from there uh, in some shape or form understands what's going on. And I guess they're reaching out and they're proactively reaching out to all their clients. Um, which I think, you know, is, is a huge, um, benefit to everybody that's involved, you know, cause there is so much, I guess it's very unclear to how the program's supposed to work and who's to say that they know how it works, but at least they're taking proactive action. Um, at least we're doing something. Um, it's better to do something and do it, you know, than sit on the sidelines and do nothing. So even if it's wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that so anything else related to, related to that, we'll move on from that topic. But anyone else related to that, anything else related to that, circle back to the, the Facebook Live we did yesterday. Um, you know, real easy way to look at this is if you have full time payroll and you have W two employees you're paying right now, you qualify as of yesterday to apply. And if you don't, you need to wait until um, next Friday. And if you're a single member LLC or a sole proprietor, you don't have any payroll. We have to wait till next Friday. But again, that's just for the paycheck yeah. paycheck protection program. There's lots out there as well. Yeah, and I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> that, that's a great way to summarize it. I was going to say before we go to Jack because I got a lot to talk about. Um, him personally, what happened inside of her portfolio, um, and a recap from takeaways from him. But is Amy and how she's handling her business, um, and ultimately, you know, the fact that people are still staging properties, people are still moving along people are looking at creative ways to get the rental units done by staging rental units i thought that was real interesting um and that she she has not yet been affected necessarily by the quote-unquote shutdown um and, and i think she has a very solid business that's going to be able to weather this storm you know yeah and and that's kind of been the not to jump forward into investor confidence but that's kind of been everybody we've talked to recently you know they know that times are different and they're adapting and i'm hoping i'm hoping that everyone's like optimistic is important and i'm very optimistic but at the same time you also need to be realistic and you know we're doing proactive and optimistic things um but at the same time you know i want to be cautious to make sure we're making the, the, the right decisions and we're underwriting the right loans and um we're doing things the right way i mean we even you know put a property under contract re recently because it was at a really good number. And, you know, we, we did it, we did it, we did it the right way. So, you know, hopefully most real estate investors, and I know this isn't the case for all businesses, but real estate investing, because that's what we focus on this show. Hopefully most of you are still able to kind of operate, um, operate your business. I'm not saying it's the same, but operate, um, still look out for deals, still able to get capital for some of your deals because it is still available. Um, you know, obviously you're probably doing workouts with some of your tenants uh, and, thing, and things like that. But, you know, as a whole, business is still proceeding, moving forward. And, yeah. you know, well, we're, we're, we're going to go from there. Hey, I was going to say to predict what's going to happen is hard to say, right? Um, I say it all the time. If you could predict, none of us would be sitting here. Now, with that being said, you know, I do think Amy's going to have a nice carry through. Um, there's enough, enough inventory stock that should carry her through this, you know, shutdown. The question is, where's that lull in the market, right? Like, if we're shut down for two months now, like Philadelphia, where they can't even get anything done, 
there's going to be nothing, nothing, nothing. Inventory kind of goes away. Maybe that helps sellers, you know, to get a little bit off topic here, that helps sellers in that market. Um, and then there's a big shot of pent up demand, but then we're coming back down on a, on a cycle back down. Question is, how do you navigate those, um, you know, peaks and valleys? Of what's about to happen here in this very short term? Because, you know, we're potentially talking about two months by the things, you know, by the time things get restarted, three, four months, you know, depending on um, banking confidence. And, you know, on that side, investors might be confident, but the question is capital available, you know? So, yeah. So, what, uh, I said, tell me your takeaways from Jack. You're a little bit more involved in that than I am because you own a heck of a, heck of a lot more rental properties than we own. And, you know, as of now, we haven't had too much, um, let's just say change in our portfolio. I mean, we've reached out to the majority of, of everybody, you know, 75% of our rentals have some sort of subsidized program and that's still open. So we're still getting rents in place on that. But again, you know, April 1st was the big date to determine who's affected and who's not affected related to see, you know, related if payments are coming in. And then May 1st is obviously going to be another big one to see if we're getting payments in. Um, the only change so far, and we're going to know more, obviously, like you will, uh, when we see who's late and who made their payments, the only change were we had a, we had two of our projects, two of our properties that leases were up and they and their game plan was to move out and they reached out and said we wanted to extend our lease even and even long term right. lease they wasn't leaving month to month so that's the only feedback I have. Yeah, no. So personally, like um, I guess first off, hearing Jack talk about tenants, who wants to move, who doesn't want to move, who's um. You know, the fact that they're still able to show properties, they're doing virtual showings, which is an advance forward, seeing the housing authorities take proactive actions, um, things that we, you know a lot of investors have been dying for is awesome. The question is, you know, on that side is how much stays afloat after this. Um, and those are kind of my takeaways on that. Now, um, personally, inside of our portfolio uh, here locally, we have not negatively been affected from what we can tell. Payments are still coming out. Tenants are still paying their portions. Um, and our cash tenants are still making payments. What I am uh, going to say is a barometer to see what happens. And it's a little bit out of market, but it's right in West Virginia, just over the line um, in Charlestown, is that property is more or less every single tenant is a cash tenant. Uh, we actually had rents paid ahead of time. And the question is, I think that's going to be our best barometer to what the retail market is showing um, and who's paying and who's not. Because again, it's a lot of blue collar workers, a lot of service workers, a lot of people, you know, restaurants or, you know, casino workers or whoever that are potentially shut down. Um, so that should be an interesting barometer, uh, you know, to weigh out the portfolio. Um, and I think for a lot of people, maybe it's a good test to see, um, you know, the type of tenants and how to diversify your portfolio um, and be able to weather these types of storms. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, some interesting stuff in, in general, but, you know, I would say that be strong businesses, the strong investors, the portfolios that have been doing the right things for a long time, they, you know, they're going to weather the storm. The stronger are going to survive, the weak are going to fall, and the ones in the middle are going to, you know, they better go all in right now and, and, you know, obviously play defense to clean up stuff, but also play offense in order to get stuff back in order. You know, those are the ones that are going to be fine. And, you know, I know we've been reiterated, reiterating some of our same things every day, but I think it's super important. And in my mind, 
you know, it makes sense. Number one, as a lender, I think it makes sense. A lot of lenders went out of business uh, or stopped origination. I don't know if I want to say they went out of business, but they're not originating loans. Um, but as a lender, I think it makes the most sense to lend right now. The loans I'm doing today that I'm underwriting today are going to be stronger than the ones I did three weeks ago or a month ago or, or three months ago, right? Because you adjust and you underwrite risk uh, for any type of asset you're, you're purchasing or investing in in real time, right? So I think it makes the most sense to do that. And again, if you're into this for the long term and if you're just fixing and flipping houses, obviously you need to be, you got to buy at the right number. You got to execute, 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 and you got to get in and out of these things as, as quick as possible, but who knows? And again, there's always a time to buy, sell, lend, invest, rent. There's always a good time to do it. Every time is a good time. It doesn't matter if it's going down, doesn't matter if it's going up, doesn't matter if it's being stable. And that being said, you need to adjust to make sure you're doing it the right way. Obviously, if a property is worth this today and it's going down, you don't want to buy it up here. You might want to buy it kind of maybe as as it's as it's potentially falling, but there's always a good time to buy to buy, sell, invest and lend and, you know, especially right now if you're a rental property owner or investor and you want to buy rental properties, it's a fine time. It's a great time, right? Why not? Because if you're buying a house today for $100,000, it's a rental property. It doesn't matter what it's worth tomorrow, right? Obviously, you want that long term to increase, but it doesn't matter until you're buying a, until you need to, you know, sell it or trade it or unload it. It doesn't matter. So you buy it today for $100,000. Let's say you get $1,000 a month in rent on it. You're still getting that $1,000 a month in, in rent if it's worth 90, 80, 70, 60, right? Like, it's 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 fine. You buy it. You buy it for a hundred. Obviously, the long term approach is for to appreciate and increase. But if it takes a small a short term dip, then it is what it is, and uh, you know you work it. I mean, I, I would say it's much safer to probably buy some rental properties right now than buy some fix and flips, unless you know you really get some killer deals. And that's another conversation that we could potentially have with some other people. Maybe we'll do that with Mike Shock on Monday. Like, there's a lot of killer deals out there right now, and who knows. You know, maybe a killer deal today is not a killer deal tomorrow. You know, maybe things change, but like, you know, we're all investing in assets. That's what we do. Right. right? We invest in assets. So if the opportunity is there, if the deal makes sense, you do it. Yep. Yeah. No. And uh, I think you bring up a few valid points there. And I think it, what I was going to refer back to is a book that we both read was Warren Buffett's book. I think it's called The Snowball Effect. It's basically a, a biography or autobiography. No, it's biography about him. And it's really interesting just how he says, look, I just kept putting money back into the market. It's the same thing with real estate. Yes, there's times to sideline your money and there's times to do deals and not do deals. But if you're looking for a good 40-hour listen, uh, and I wasn't, I think maybe it was more, um, it's a really long book, but it really shows you about trials and tribulations and ups and downs, peaks and valleys. Um, and it gives you some confidence to say, all right, this storm is going to be fine, you know, short of our country going down a different road, but listen, that'll be a totally different discussion. Um, so if you're looking for a good book, it's Warren Buffett's uh, called The Snowball Effect, I believe. And that goes back to exactly what Jason was saying. Um, ups and downs. I mean, everything's, the economy's turned off and we just sold um, a warehouse this week. You know, we we uh, were in the process of buying a 76 unit building. You know what I mean? So we're on the move. Um, and, uh, there's there's definitely times to take action and this is one of them and that's another recap from this week that I had I know I said it a few times but utilize this time to go out get your business get your affairs in order and be ready to come out on the other side of this I see we have two questions up there 
Uh, one yeah, we'll start. I'll, I'll start with Glenn, and then you uh, you can jump in on Tyler. So on Glenn Eunice's question, what do you guys think about September, October, November dip to buy? So I don't know. I I mean I don't know, but I'll tell you what I you know I'm going to give you a I don't know answer, but at the same time I'm going to give you what I would do answer. So I don't know. We're going to see what happens, and I in my mind. Um, I'm not going to try to predict what it's going to do. I'm just going to look at what I see in real time. I mean, one benefit of us being a private and hard money lender is I get applications in every day. So I'm looking at what people are offering on properties on a regular basis. So that's a very good data point for me to determine, you know, what I, what I'm seeing and trends. And a lot of times I comp properties today that I might've comped 15 days ago or 30 days ago. So I can kind of see the trends based, based on that. So I'm on MLS three hours a day, every day, just comping stuff. So that's, personally helpful for me. And I think if you're a real estate agent or a real estate investor, you got to do the same thing. You need to uh, analyze as much data as possible on a regular basis, because that's where this is to make the right decisions. Um, so come though, you know, we're going to, the big first test is going to see what's going to happen when uh, everything opens up. So let's assume that's going to be June. We're going to see what happens in June. Are we going to have a mini real estate boom, which we could because not as many people, um, potentially are, are buying or selling, there's still a lot of activity going on, but but the numbers are still down. So all of a sudden, you know, come June, someone was looking to list their property in the spring and we were just skipping the spring economically. <laughs> um, so we're gonna move to the summer. So we'll see if that happens and if we have a mini boom. And, you know, I think we're gonna start with that and I'm gonna go month to month um, and see what happens. And I look at it like this, any asset I lend in, buy or invest in, it's very, very simple. The number I'm buying at, am I comfortable? Do, do I feel comfortable with that number today? Do I feel comfortable with that number tomorrow? Do I feel comfortable with that number in three months? Do I feel comfortable with that number in three years um, or even longer term? And if the answer is yes, you know, then I'm going to buy it. You know, we recently put a, pro, a flip under under contract that we that we wanted to do. We knew it was going to be a, a, a slow or a short and sweet not a long one, not a huge construction job. I didn't want to be tied into a deal for a year. I wanted to be tied into a, a deal for a few months. And we felt the price was really, was, was great. And we had a few different game plans. The game plan was, you know, we could try to wholesale it real quick and try to make a, a quick buck. We could put a little bit of construction into it. We felt comf comfortable with it, or we felt we could hold it. We probably wouldn't have turned it into a rental, but we felt we felt that the number was good enough that we were, we were comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, I think that sums up Glenn's question pretty good. I'm just going to add one little comment on here, uh, not because I like just to talk, but you know, the question is, are we in a fall winter season? And like you said, are we skipping spring going to wander right back up in summer and fall, you know, because there is the fear that, you know, you're not just economic, you know, consumer confidence, but you got to look at, um, the banking side of things, you know, the reason the market was on jamming is because banks were lending money out left and right. The question is, is that capital coming back? Everyone says, and I totally agree. It's not a financial situation that got us into this. Um, it's a, you know, it's a virus thing that got us into this. The question is, does it turn into a financial issue that we can't come back out of? That's going to take some time. I see Tyler Frank commented and I, I agree with some of that. Now, Tyler Frank's question What's up, buddy? Is you know the pan or the comment is the pandemic is the exact reason why I buy in A B neighborhoods. This happens rarely, rarely, and my tenants are still paying with no issues. It's a great business model. Um, you know, again, it comes back to you know what you're comfortable investing in, where you want to invest, um, and what works for you. Do I think that one neighborhood is going to be affected worse or better than others? You know, asset class type. 
I don't think so. Um, you know, because there are different ranging workers in every single asset class um, that benefit. I think it comes down to vet vetting your tenant and having your business model uh, proven. Sure, you know your lower, you know, B lower B C stuff. I think you're going to be affected a little bit by because a lot of workers that get laid off first are um, usually running in those type of areas. Your A's obviously are usually financially sound. Um, and your high B's, you know, so the, there's that middle B and C ground that you're probably going to be looking at that you're going to have some issues in, um, you know, where we invest in what we do. Um, we've lucked out. We've been able to diversify our risk against it by doing subsidized tenants. Um, so every asset class is going to have some sort of exposure. Um, so, yeah, good. Yeah, no, I, I agree with Tyler a lot. Um, and I might actually somewhat disagree with you in and more with him related to a and b's and that could just be like our portfolio you know different portfolio and experience but like i agree a and i think a and b's are going to be less less affected as in as in general um and you know keep in mind and you know there might be a lot of people that disagree with me on this but i believe that the majority of these real estate deals it depends on what type of how risk adverse you are but I am not one that wants to go up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Like I'm not looking to hit home runs. I'm looking to hit base hits on every asset that we do forever. Slow and steady wins the race. That's always been the case. You know, that's why we pretty much exclusively are median housing price neighborhoods. Median housing price neighborhoods where first-time home buyers buy uh, median, you know, a, a nice pro, a nice a nice house. There's there's still turnover where you know second and third time buyers are, are purchasing in. You know, median housing prices like our average loan at hard money bankers is only like $165,000, right? And a lot of that stuff we do is in the DC and Baltimore area. So a lot of stuff that we're, we're doing and we've always done over the years is, you know, your Parkville's, your Randall, your Randallstown, um, you know, Gwen Oak, Catonsville, stuff like that, like areas and, and that Baltimore stuff. Um, and the reason for that is I truly believe that those areas get affected less. I, I feel like, you know, areas that are, in subdivisions where you have four or five different types of houses and you have a subdivision of a few hundred houses, those are the ones that I believe are less affected. Now, when something major happens, yeah, it happens, right? And those go down, um, but it potentially those get affected less. Now, keep in mind what area of the country that we're in. Obviously, the D DC area is a little bit more insulated than the Baltimore area, but still, you know, combine it as one huge major metropolitan area, you know. I believe that we're less affected uh, locally than other places. And yes, 06, 07, 08, uh, when, a, when a lot of disaster happened, a lot of areas got hit hard. I believe that those got those bounced back a lot harder or bounced back a lot faster and stronger than ever. So I do believe that stuff is going to go down. But if you have the right portfolio in the right areas, um, I, I believe I believe you're strong, and and also if it's a long term play, it doesn't really matter, at, at, you know, as much, right? I mean, as long as you have solid debt on your rental properties and you can stabilize those tenants in place, um, and yes, if you lose your tenants because they lose their they lose their jobs, that's obviously you know an issue. But at the same time, like not every single person is going to lose their job. There's always a supply and demand for the right the right housing. Well, and I think that's the caveat maybe that I, I breezed over. Sure, C&D is going to get affected hard. But again, it goes back to vetting your tenants um, and who you're utilizing 
um, as tenants and what type of tenants you're placing. And I, you know, I think you could have the same exposure risk in an AB property um, that, you know, somebody that's, you know, living on the edge isn't properly capitalized to, you know, rent your property. You got to look into those things. Sure. When things are going good, people get more lenient, but times like now is where it's like, okay, you know, they had good, you know, they had good credit. They had good uh, financial history. Get it. So I think I, that's the point I, that I, I was making um, that kind of got breezed over. So um, in the end, you know, uh, you got to utilize what's, uh, you know, good for you. But, 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 but again, you know, it goes back to having a well-established business. If you're a one-off investor and you're dabbling into investing as a hobby and there's nothing wrong with, you know, making doing real estate as a side hustle or, or, um, you know, flipping a house here and there, buying a rental here and there because you have another job, that's fine. Um, and that's actually probably encouraged. I mean, listen, I know this might sound crazy, but most of the big successful, um, investors that I know actually have other full-time jobs and aren't trying to flip tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of deals. You know, they have stable W2 jobs or they own other businesses and they're doing this on the side. And typically the benefit to them is they don't have to do a ton of deals, right? They don't have tons of overhead. They don't have tons of crews. They want to do, they try to invest in a few smart deals a year that they can get their, their hands, their, you know, their, they, they can get the money out that they need. So the bottom line is, and we can sum all this up very, very easily. It's you got to be well capitalized and not just other people's money, OPM. You got to be well capitalized, you know, by, by yourself. I mean, you can't have a game plan to go buy 50 units if you don't have any, don't have any cash, or you don't have, you know, savings, or you don't have solid cash flow coming in from something else. And you, you especially short, can't do that right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Short, short and steady wins the race. Like, mo I mean, go look, you know, Go look. I mean, the easiest way you brought up Warren Buffett snowball. The easiest way to prove this to anybody is go Google, you know, Warren Buffett's net worth over the years and how it snowballs. Because keep in mind, use the term the rule of seventy-two. You divide whatever interest rate return you're getting divided by seventy-two, and that determines how long it's going to take to double your money. So, for instance, if you take fourteen percent interest rate return, if that's your target return divided by seventy-two, that means every five years you're going to double your money. So the way that Warren Buffett did it is over the years, it was slow and steady. He never made big moves. He never made huge investments. Yeah, he was smart about the way he did it. But after he started becoming a millionaire, then a hundred millionaire, then a billionaire, then a multi-billionaire, like it didn't happen overnight. He's been a lot, he's been around for a long time, <laughs> right? But it happened in increments of you know five, 10 year periods. And his net worth just went like this slow because like, let's listen, you have a hundred grand then you double it, then you have 200 grand then you have 400 grand and you have 800 grand. Right. But then all of a sudden you have like 2 million bucks and 4 million bucks and 8 million bucks and 16 million bucks and 32 million bucks. And then billion, like it literally went like that. And it's, you know, slow and steady wins the race. So, uh, I mean, I look at real estate investing, like someone would look at day trading. Um, I, I've never been a fan of trying to just, you know, go all in and, and, you know, make huge swings. Cause like you make huge swings and you get caught with your pants on at the wrong time. That thing's going to freaking come crashing down slow and steady, you know, diversify, have a few good fix and flips going, have a few rental properties that are going, lend some private capital out, deploy the wholesale, a few properties and just be diversified into the right deals over and over and over and over. And listen, maybe you have some C properties, maybe you have some A properties, maybe you have some B properties. And then, you know, in one market cycle, C properties might get hurt hard because I do believe C properties are going to get hurt 
hurt hard harder right now. And like Glenn said earlier, like he all his rentals, he has strong tenants in there, and they're a little bit more insulated, and he hasn't had an issue with it. Um, but then on the other side, there's the argument of, hey, well, all of our C properties are subsidized tenants, so maybe they're insulated. So you just got to diversify and make the right moves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and I, I really look forward to hearing from Mike Schock. I, you know, I've said it a few times on Monday. Um, I think we're working on getting uh, Steve Cavanaugh and Alex Pardo on, who do a lot of deals, uh, you know, one in Southern Maryland and one in Miami. Um, it's going to be real interesting to hear how people are handling this. And, you know, does the bigger question is, does it change your metrics for buying criteria going forward? We're about to get uh, serenaded by a harmonica here from my daughter. Um, does it change your buying metrics going forward? Um, you know, I think something that was becoming real popular coming into the upswing was alternative asset classes or alternative investments. You know, people that are in the self-storage um, RV or, uh, you know, mobile home parks, um, that type of asset class. The, que the, the question is, um, you know, do they come back roaring or does everybody deep dive back into single family? Um, you know, and that's Tyler exactly where the road I was going down is that, you know, diversification is great, not only inside your portfolio with asset classes, um, you know, but across the board, you know, we're all very easily just want to go real estate, real estate, real estate, just because I do a hard, you know, I own real estate and then I do a hard money loan. And then my wife's a realtor does not mean I'm diversified in the real estate. I'm diversified inside of real estate, but I'm not diversified across it. Luckily, with my W two job, we do have some exposure to the stock market, so that's my stock market investing. Um, so I, I think there's multiple levels of diversification that everybody personally should take, which we could probably do a whole show on. I wonder if I could get Dan on um, and talk about, you know, Dan who? Dan, Dan who? Dan, 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 a partner. He would. <laughs> oh, that Then you bring them. Uh, life-changing um, experiences for people and really make them deep dive, you know, because if you're not structurally sound personally, those are most likely the people that are going to get hurt during this time, right? Where uh, capital is not easily found. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, good stuff. Um, we had a good week, you know, we had a good, uh, we had some good shows this week and uh, I'm glad we were able to kind of recap those uh, circle back to any of those shows. They're all on Facebook live. If you have any questions, um, should, should we tap into Rich's question real quick? Let me look, let me read this Rich real quick. Yeah. Um, well, well, you read it. Uh, yeah, I was going to move towards not paying. That's a bigger issue. I worry about my tenants that might not be documented, uh, in his B properties because they won't be, they won't get unemployment as easy. Fair enough. My commercial buddy told me Chipotle isn't paying at their centers. That's scary. When asked why aren't they paying? They said, because they aren't paying. Yeah. I mean, it goes back. I saw you just hopped on a little bit ago, Rich. And, you know, again, you're right. They won't be, chances are they will, they probably won't qualify as easily for unemployment. But again, the hope with a lot of this is that it's just weathering the storm. And like, I know you personally, you're able to weather the storm, um, at least in the short term until things get back under wrap. And you know what happens is, listen, if, if and I'm not saying this is the worst case scenario, but if the worst, but I think one of the worst case scenarios will probably end up being that you're not going to get rental income for the next few months. It might be two months. It might be three months. It might be six months. I don't think it's going to be longer than a year because eventually you'll be able to take legal action in order to get tenants out. But let's say your tenants lose their jobs. You don't have any rental income that comes in for a few months. You know, you're eating it, right? It sucks, right? Like that, that's part of it. Um, you know, 
it is it is what it is. You weather the storm. You know, they're already good assets to begin with because I know you and you bought them at the right numbers. And chances are you probably already calculated uh, vacancy. Yeah, the vacancy rates are going to be higher, but that happens. And in a few months from now, you're good to go. And you can either do workouts with them to try to figure out a way to either get them back on track um, if they get their jobs back. And if they don't get their jobs back, then, you know, figure out some sort of workout legal action, something. I would suggest um, to everyone who's waiting on loan payments, waiting on rental income, waiting on some, you know, waiting on something, some money from somebody when they reach out to you and you know, the character of somebody very, very easily by the way that they act right now, we've had very little investors reach out to us that say they can't make their monthly payments, but guess what? Every single one of them who did was, was, uh, uh, what's the word? They had a good character were related to them with me. They called me up and was like, listen, I hate to, to, to tell you, to ask you this. Like they're not asking for a handout. They were like, you know, I'm ha- I'm going to have a hard time making my April 1st payment or my May 1st payment, whatever the case is. Like, is there anything you can wor- work with me on? And if someone talks to you like that, that's great. That shows good character. And hopefully your tenants, if you have good enough relationships with them are going to be the same way. So my response is, I understand no problem. You know, I, you know, honestly, we are requiring payments, but if you can't make it, like, you know, you can't make it. If you don't have the money, you're not gonna be able to pay it. What can you make? Like what, what's, what's fair for you? And a lot of them are like, Hey, you know, can I make like a half a payment? And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. If that's what, if, if that'll make you happy, if that's a win-win situation. And I know a lot of landlords as well are doing something similar. If they can't get a full payment, get something because you don't want to get into the notion of not just not just a free ride and not making anything like make something. Even if your payment rent payments $2,000 a month and they can pay you $100, take that $100. Something's better than nothing. And also mentally for them, it's something that is, you know, you know, handing over anything is better than nothing. Like they don't, you don't want to, you don't want to set that expectation with them. So I think what happens if you have good assets in general, they're going to weather the storm. Um, It's going to tell a lot about individual characters of the investors, of the uh, borrowers or, or tenants right now. And then, you know, come summertime, you can figure out if you want to keep them in place or not. And guess what? If you lost three months of rent, but then they're able to repay because they got their job back in a few months, it probably makes sense to keep them anyways. And, you know, watch those three payments you didn't get and start and just keep it moving. Yep. And I think another interesting point that I was just thinking about as you were talking about that is um, this is a good, good example of why working with your community banks um, they're obviously going to have an understanding of the market and what happened in the market locally versus your national lenders um, or any of your big bad boy banks. You know, are they going to be as forgiving coming through all this? So, um, again, uh, just working with our bank locally, you know, we haven't asked for any forgiveness, but just the way they're acting and handling the situation tells me that if something were to go down, that there's going to be an yeah. understanding on those types of things. Um, I know we said we weren't going to carry on, but we're going 40 minutes. Glenn wants Schwartz to come on. I vote yes for that too. If someone can actually get him on here, I would love to. Uh, yeah, Glenn, if you can get him on, that's fine. I mean, he's probably going to be a no. He probably won't want to, but, uh, well, if I'm, willing, Glenn, but, if but he, I'm happy to talk to him. Glenn, if he comes on, then Glenn's got to come on and uh, and and uh, run the show. But uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, that would be interesting to hear if anybody, any money managers out there want to jump on and talk about what they're seeing just stock market-wise and how it's going to potentially relate back to the economics of everything. Um, that would be interesting to hear too. So I think Monday we're going live around 2 o'clock. Uh, we'll have Mike Shock on. Tyler Frank might be a good uh, interview too. He does a lot of wholesale deals. Love to hear how he's handling the situation. I know um, they have – 
they have a lot of rentals as well. So, um, but yeah, I guess let's enjoy the weekend. It's supposed to be nice out tomorrow. Get out of there, go for a walk, stay safe. Look for assets. Be optimistic. Be proactive. Absolutely. This is the time to be proactive and be optimistic about all this about all this stuff, and you know, see what's up. I mean, listen, there's nothing wrong. You know, everyone should be at least proactively moving forward, trying to find deals, trying to, you know, work, work things. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I mean, it's going to be a waiting game. There's no need to jump in on every deal uh, that comes in. That's not smart, but as, it, as opportunities come in, obviously take advantage of it. All right, Ian, appreciate it. Yeah. Was, our I got lag less, was, our, was our lag less today? Uh, I don't know if it was lagless. I know we were talking over each other, but uh, either way, I know I had a lot of background noise. I'm going to go tend to the family and have a grand old time and uh, look forward to Monday. Cool, cool. All right, we'll do Monday. And when we start our show on Monday, we'll have the whole guest list for that entire week as well. But right now, uh, we have Mike Shock, 2 o'clock on Monday. Throw it on your calendars, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Thanks, guys.